0: Welcome to Episode 9 in Revelation, an Idealist's Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. In Episode 9, the focus is on Chapter 4, in which John takes up the narrative interrupted by Chapters 2 and 3, which were the letters to the seven churches. In chapter 4, he relates to us his vision of the throne of God. It is important for our narrative of Revelation for you to know that while John never directly quotes the Old Testament in Revelation, there is scarcely a page in which he does not invoke images or use phrases or offer paraphrases inspired by Hebrew scripture, including the canonical Old Testament used by Christians, the deuterocanonical books of the Old Testament, also called the Old Testament Apocrypha, and certain other Hebrew writings of the last three centuries before Christ. If you'd like to hear more about these books, you can view episode one in the companion series, New Testament Gospels. Beginning with this episode, whenever relevant, I will quote and discuss the appropriate Old Testament and Apocrypha verses, which are the source of the phrases and images. I will also explain the symbolic meaning of the magical, mystical numbers that I discussed in the primer on Revelation in episode 2, If you've not already viewed episode 2, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this and later episodes in this series. In this episode, the important numbers are 7 and 24. Before I begin the verse by verse discussion of chapter 4, I want to share with you an insight into Revelation which was suggested by the scholars who produced the Orthodox Study Bible, New Testament, and Psalms. First, imagine John standing in a vortex, the swirling center of a tornado with apocalyptic images revolving rapidly all around him when suddenly, in verse 1, a door opens and he is invited to come up here. This literally makes John a seer, that is, one who sees events which are now happening and events which are yet to come. Spiritually, then, he is, in the truest sense of the word, a seer. In the literary sense, his voice in Revelation is that of an observer, or as in his own gospel, a first-hand witness. As we enter the reading, John, like Moses on the mountain in Exodus 19, verse 20, is given a view of affairs from a heavenly perspective. I have divided chapter 4 into two parts, the first being verses 1 through 5. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne." And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Did you notice how cleverly St. John transitioned from the final letter to the church at Laodicea in chapter 3 into these opening verses in chapter 4? Let me explain. The last things he described in chapter 3, verse 20, was Jesus holding a door, open a door and issuing an invitation to enter, illustrated as in episode 8 by the 19th century painter William Holman Hunt. The first thing which happens in chapter 4 is a voice offering an open door into heaven. The concept of God having a voice like a trumpet was used previously in Revelation one ten, when the voice announced the coming revelation and will be used again in later chapters of Revelation. In later episodes, I discuss the Old Testament parallels of a voice like a trumpet. The direct Old Testament parallel to this scene is the invitation to, quote, come up here in verse 1, is found in the day recounted in Exodus nineteen twenty when Moses was on Mount Sinai and the mountain suddenly was shrouded in smoke and was quaking, and a voice like the sound of a trumpet spoke to him. The illustration for this slide is a late medieval illustration from a Georgian psalter showing Cairo in the foreground and St. Catherine's Monastery at the foot of Mount Sinai in the background with the Nile River at right and the Gulf of Suez at the top. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Like Moses, John is thus given an opportunity to see from a heavenly perspective. Heaven here has the same meaning as the firmament of heaven in the Genesis account of creation. Unlike the Exodus episode with Moses, John is promised a heavenly perspective not only on the things which have already come, plus things which are now, and things which must take place after this, in verse 1b. This promise of a revelation of things future fulfills the angel statement which John recounted in Revelation 1, verse 1. The illustration John dictating to Prochorus is a miniature illumination from the Mokbe Gospels produced in Georgia on the eastern rim of the Black Sea around 1300 AD. For the second time in Revelation 4, verse 2a, the first time was in Revelation 1, verse 2a, John speaks of being in the Spirit when he receives a vision in verses 3 and 4, he shares details of this vision of the throne of God, the one who sat on the throne, and the 24 elders who sat around it. The illustration is an oil on canvas by the Danish artist Jacob de Witt, painted in 1647 A.D. The vision parallels the Old Testament account the vision of the throne of God in Isaiah 6 verses 1 to 8, the only glimpse of the throne in the Old Testament. Once again, John offers us a continuation of a theme he began in the last of the seven letters, in which Jesus promises to the church at Laodicea that to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. That's Revelation 3, verse 21. John's vision of the heavenly throne and the one seated upon it is the first of over 40 references to a heavenly throne in Revelation. It relies heavily upon Old Testament and New Testament examples, especially the visions of Isaiah and Ezekiel and the reference in Psalm 47, 8, to which Jesus refers in Matthew 23, verse 22. The Hebrews believed that when God was not in the temple on the mercy seat, he sat upon a throne in heaven. This is illustrated in three Old Testament examples. First, Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Second in Ezekiel 1.1, 1, 1. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And finally, Psalm 47, verse 8, In the 1928 Book of Common Prayer text, God reigneth over the nations, God sitteth upon his holy throne. The God on his throne image is carried forward into the New Testament in Jesus' extended mockery of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, which includes this statement from Matthew 23 verse 22 and he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. John's vividly drawn description of the details of the throne and the throne room likewise calls upon Old Testament understandings. From the Exodus account of the priestly breastplate of judgment with four rows of stones, three in each row, from Exodus 28, Verses 15 to 21, John selects only the first two in the first row, the sardius and the topaz. He then likens the rainbow, which surrounds the throne, to the color of emeralds, which were in the third row of stones on the breastplate in the Exodus account. In Hebrew and Christian understanding, the rainbow is the symbol of the covenant God gave to Noah that he would not destroy the earth again with a flood in Genesis 9, verse 17. The magical number 24, and again see episode 2 for a detailed discussion of numerology in Revelation. It is mentioned for the first time in verse 4. The illustration is William Blake's pencil drawing with watercolor highlights four and twenty elders casting their crowns before the divine throne drawn between 1803 and 1805, and which offers a surreal interpretation much more like the drug culture imagery which was popular in the 1960s and 1970s. Two popular explanations are that the number 24 symbolizes either the sum of the twelve tribes of Israel plus the Twelve Apostles, the most popular understanding in the Eastern Church, or, for the more literal-minded in the Western Church, the 24 priests in the duty roster of the Hebrew Temple, which is the traditional Roman Catholic interpretation. The number of thrones and elders is not the only imagery in this vision. John had already used white as a symbol of purity based upon both the Hebrew and the Christian understanding in the letters to the churches at Sardis and Laodicea. Here it is in the color of the robes of the elders. The gold on the crowns of the elders symbolizes the gold used extensively in Solomon's temple and in the Ark of the Covenant. The lightning and thundering and voices around the throne, as I noted, are Old Testament symbols of the presence of the Almighty, symbols which John will use again extensively in later chapters of Revelation. The perfect number seven appears again in verse five as the number of lamps of fire, meaning lampstands burning before the throne, and which are described in the narrative as the seven spirits of God, and which were mentioned in the same context in the letter to the church at Sardis in Revelation 3-1, and which also evoke the image of the seven spirits from Isaiah 11, verses 1-3. I continue John's narrative in chapter 4 with verses 6-11. through These verses include many images and phrases from Ezekiel and Isaiah and also include the first two choruses of the 14 songs, choruses or song-like prayers, which John includes in Revelation. The use of a chorus to highlight events in a drama, as John does here, comes from the Greek literary tradition, and thus this form is called a Greek chorus. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes, Around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is, and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives for ever and ever, the twenty four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives for ever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In Episode 2, my primer on numerology and revelation, I spoke of John's use of mystical, magical, or special numbers In verses 6 through 9, we meet for the first time the number 4, which is the number of living creatures with six wings and many eyes front and back. Here, St. John again demonstrates his extensive knowledge of Hebrew Scripture using images from the visions of Ezekiel 1, verse 5 and 21, and Isaiah 6, verse 1, the throne vision. The four creatures were a lion, a calf, a man, and an eagle. Since the earliest days of the church in both the Eastern and Western church traditions, the four figures have been used to symbolize the four gospel authors. St. Mark as a lion, St. Luke as a calf, sometimes as an ox, St. Matthew as a man, sometimes as an angel, and St. John as an eagle. Our illustration is a 21st century photograph of the West Portal at the 12th century church of Saint-Trofheim in Arles, France. In the Western church tradition, only the four faces in Revelation verses 6 and 7 are commonly used. In the Eastern church tradition, John's further description of the figures as having six wings and many eyes also based on Isaiah 6, 1, and 2, are depicted in icons and mosaics such as the seraphim mosaic in one of the domes at the Hagia Sophia in Constantinople built in the 6th century during the reign of the emperor Justinian, with the mosaics added at later dates. The song which they sing day and night in Revelation 4, verse 8, is an extended variation of the song the seraphim sang around the throne of God in Isaiah's vision of the throne of God in Isaiah 6, 3. Isaiah's figure sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. In St. John's version, he has added the Hebrew title of God, Almighty, previously used in Revelation 1, 8, and afterward adds the phrase, who was and is and is to come. Modern readers, I think, tend to overlook how important this song from Revelation 4-9 has been in the development of Christian worship. They help reinforce the connection between the God of the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, and the promise of his second coming. Of the three literary styles of Revelation that I mentioned in episode 1, they illustrate all three. History, the Old Testament connection, commentary, John's own observation, and prophecy, the essential purpose of the book of Revelation. You will find them in the words in the Sanctus Prayer, in the celebration of Holy Eucharist, in the canticle Te Deum Laudamus, and in many Trinity season hymns, including Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, composed in England by Reginald Heber in 1827. John tells us in verses 9 and 10 not only what the living creatures sing, but also describes how the 24 elders respond to this doxology to the Lord, which is what is meant when John says the creatures offer glory, honor, and thanks, and acknowledge that he is the eternal God who lives forever and ever. Here, once again, St. John offers an image suggestive of Christian liturgical worship, The twenty four elders fall down or kneel from the Hebrew Barak before the throne of God. Kneeling is a sign of blessing and adoration and is suggestive of Psalm ninety six verse six used as the Christian invitatory finite exaltimus domino. O come let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. The creatures then cast their crowns toward the throne and sing another chorus, the second found in this chapter. In this second chorus, they acclaim that God is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power, and that he is the God of creation who created the world and all that is in it by his divine will. In verse 11, by your will they exist and were created meaning that creation was the result of his energies and not by an action or work. For more information on the early church understanding of the energy or energies of God and the scriptural basis for the same, see the energies of God entry in the AIC publication, Layman's Lexicon, which I will mention in a moment, Thank you for joining me for Episode 9 in Revelation, An Idealist Interpretation. Next time in Episode 10, I will begin a verse-by-verse discussion of Chapter 5. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode, in addition to the New Testament Gospel series mentioned in the text, from the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, first series, St. John, whose feast day is December 27th, is the focus of episode 4. In the companion book to this series, Revelation and Idealist Interpretation, presented in 214 pages with 52 illustrations, 51 of them from the 11th century manuscript, The Bamberg Apocalypse, John's vision of the heavenly throne in chapter 4 is illustrated on pages 47 and 49. A primer on numerology in Revelation is on pages 7 through 11. In the writing Prophets of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, quoted in the discussion of Revelation 4, verses 6 to 11, is discussed and illustrated in Part 3, Chapter 1, on pages 13 to 20, with a text box, Isaiah and Christian Liturgy, on page 16. The prophet Ezekiel, whose vision of the four living creatures was discussed in the context of Revelation 4, verses 6 through 11, is discussed and illustrated in Part 2, Chapter 3, pages 29 to 36. The vision is discussed on pages 31 and 33, with a text box, Ezekiel and Christian Worship and Teaching, on page 32. In layman's lexicon, key words of interest are Almighty, Angels Archangels, Archangels, energy slash energies of God, Father, Heaven, Pantocrator, and Numerology. In the Gospel of Matthew, annotated and illustrated, Jesus' encounter with a group of Pharisees is discussed in chapter 23. In the prayer book Psalter, Psalm 47, the sixth of eight Psalms attributed to the sons of Korah is discussed on pages 111 to 112, and Psalm 96, a Psalm of David, is discussed and printed on pages 221 to 222. In the St. Chrysostom hymnal, Reginald Heber's Trinitarian hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, is hymn number 266 arranged to the tune Nicaea. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page, or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access... Any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page, or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon, right slash, right slash, wwwamazoncom write author right slash, ronald Hyphen E Hyphen Shibley. Everything after .com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www. Anglican Internet Church, accessible through the Father Ron's Blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address, and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.